If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to uh, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter six, and we'll be there today. Hey, let me go ahead and tell you first of all, uh, and of course, I've, I found that a lot of people haven't heard, especially some of those that are that are not real into into computer and all of this stuff. Uh, but uh, obviously, I lost my father this past week. And, um, and obviously I've gotten a lot of, a lot of response, a lot of, you know, cards and emails and texts and different things. And, uh, I just wanted to say just personally, just say thank you. And, uh, also it's real hard in a larger church to, to get news around and to share. So, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm not one that likes to talk about my, myself. That's just not ever who I am, but but it was something I needed to, to maybe make everybody aware of, you know, and let you know. But it was, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a tough week. It always is. Nobody's ever prepared. I'm convinced, uh, and on something like that, but you know, God is gracious. God is good. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, some of you have known that my dad had, had, had dementia for a few years. And so, um, so we'd lost, a, you know, he'd lost a little bit at a time. And so, but, uh, but he went home to be the Lord. We had his service um, last Monday and Tuesday. Uh, and, uh, and so I stayed in town uh, back in Memphis, Tennessee. And then, uh, uh, and then he was buried in Paris, Tennessee. So, uh, so anyway, but, but I, I, appreciate, I appreciate your love and concern. And, uh, and God is good. I mean, I can testify to that. So uh, anyway, I'm going to share with you a little bit more in here because our series... Um, our series that we're starting today. I, I just wanted to take just a few weeks and I want you to see something. Uh, you know, I want you to see this. You can look at the, t- at the front of the bulletin, right? It says pictures of Christ, right? In the Old Testament, you know, and, um, and I, wanted to, I want you to take a look at something. You know, God has written his story in, inside people's lives, and 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 we were and they're recorded there in the in in the Old Testament, and there are so many of them. There's no way that during this just few weeks that we're going to take uh, to take a look at all of the pictures of Christ. But remember, God God has a plan, right? And this plan, He's been He's been He's been writing it in there. It, those were all pictures. Now remember this: pictures of Christ. What Christ did, He did in reality. But remember that a picture is not reality. It's, a, it's an image of something that's real, right? So you take a picture of somebody, that's not them, but it's an image of who they are. Well, God's put those, if you will, snapshots, pictures in the Old Testament down through, literally, down through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Through history, God kept painting different pictures of who Christ is and what he was going to do. And so we're gonna take a look at a few of those over the next few weeks. And it, it really is remarkable. Uh, it's a lot of fun to look at, but it's also very straightforward. You know, the scriptures not so much, it is. The scriptures are not so much one of teaching us how to you know, make this life better. There are some things like that. But the greater majority of what the scriptures teach are our answer to answers to, to our greatest needs. And we'll talk about that today. So anyway, I want to go ahead. The first one I want to talk to you about today is one that is very, very similar. All right. Or, or the, the parallel and the picture 
uh, are, are, very, are, are, are very clear. And, and today's title is Jesus and the Ark. Now we're not talking about the Ark of the Covenant, that is a picture of Christ too, and, uh, but, but we're gonna talk about the, the boat, all right? Noah and the Ark. And again, this is, this is, this is a simple look but, but if you've heard these kind of stories all your life, or maybe you've heard of them, they, they have point and they have purpose. God has them there uh, to point you towards something. Uh, for you, those of you who have ears to hear, or if you're in this case, if you have eyes to see, right? And, uh, and, and, you'll, and we're gonna, again, you, we'll just walk down through these and I'll point out the parallels. The first part of this will go quickly. Now remember, I spent a whole summer one time going through the life of Noah, right? A whole summer. And, uh, and so we're gonna do all this in one day. So I'm gonna leave out a whole lot because all I'm focusing on here is the picture, right? I just want you to see the picture of Christ. All right, so if you, again, if you have a Bible, turn to Genesis 6. Number one, now we're gonna, I'm gonna kind of throw a lot of different notes at you because I want you to follow it. And, uh, but number one is what I'm gonna call the sinfulness of the world, okay? The sinfulness of the world, all right? Uh, the, it says in verse five, it says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, right? And that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Uh, Self-centered, that is, God, we don't need you. We'll do what we want to do. And then it degenerates into all kinds of things. And so that's the kind of the way it was the day of Noah. And um, Jack, in fact, Jesus made some parallels, which I'll talk about at the very end. Obviously, that this picture of Noah and the, and the, and the, and the boat uh, was a picture of who Christ is and what he was going to come to do. You'll see them. They line up perfectly. The first thing they talk about here is just the sinfulness in the world. You know, we have, we have people. You know, we have those who try to tell us that, you know, there's really no such thing as evil and there's really no such thing as sin. And to me, I don't want to be ugly, but they're living in a dream world. You know, to think that there's no such thing as wrong and there's no such thing as sin, there's no such thing as evil. I mean, it's just not the truth. So we have then, again, we have then the, the picture of the, of sin. the word sin, again, is not so much a, we, we, it's used as a biblical word, but the name, the meaning of the word sin means to miss the mark, right? It means, to miss, it means there's a target and it's been missed. It doesn't mean, you know, if you miss it by, you know, by, by five feet or five miles, it's still missed. Okay, so, so that becomes this picture. And I, I wanna kind of get through these uh, pretty quickly. And it, he went on to say that it, it obviously, God said it grieved his heart in verse six that he even had created man, right? And in verse 11, it says, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. Again, that was the days of Noah. So, so then the problem of wrong, right? The problem of, of, of sin, if you will. Which leads to number two is, is judgment. Okay, politically incorrect even to talk about this, right? That somehow there's a judgment coming and yet all of us knows it to be the truth. Why? Because remember, God created us in his image. So there are characteristics, there are traits that all of us have. Why isn't this world in which we live just totally in chaos? Well, some of you say, well, it already is, all right? But where does the sense of justice come that all of us have? Even if we've kicked that to death, right? Even in some places, you know, they say there's, you know, there's a, there's a code of justice among 
among thieves, right? The whole thought of, but we have that in us. What is just, justice? Is someone who receives what they deserve, right? That's what justice is. Therefore, um, it becomes this incredible picture of justice. Justice is something that all of us have. Now, so we have wrong, we have sin, we have lawlessness, we have whatever, and then there's judgment for that. And I want you to see that this whole idea of being a judge is someone who has the authority to uphold laws. That is, those who have broken the law. We give authority, right? We give authority to judges today to enforce laws. But there, that whole thought, it, it comes from, a, from the ultimate one who, who judges, who, who, who sits to judge, the one who knows it all. So you have then, it's pretty cool when you think about it because it's within all of us. In fact, I've even heard some people say, well, you know, you know, that my God would never judge anyone. And I always ask him the question, okay, is, is first of all, my God, so you're making him up as you go, right? And remember this, just because you believe something about him to be the truth doesn't mean it's the truth. The truth makes it the truth, not our trust and faith in it. Does that make sense? Some people have gotten so enamored with themselves that they somehow think that their opinion makes something the truth or their thoughts or their faith, if you, even if you will. It does not, right? It just does not. In fact, all of us know that we'll give an account. We have that in inside of us. It scares a lot of people. But when it come down to judgment, we give people in our culture the ability to enforce laws. And let's just say that a judge in our county, right? A judge in our county is that there was somebody standing before him and they had been they're guilty, right? This person had robbed a bank and, and, and shot one of the guards. And he's standing in front, you know, and the judge says, well, guys, you know, he said he was sorry. He said he was sorry and you know, he, 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 had, a, he had a hard time growing up and he says, okay, you can go free. Okay, question. Again, what kind of judge would this guy be? Okay, he'd be unjust, right? He would be unjust. So we have this thought inside of our mind. We know it to be the truth, but it's something that we're starting to deny, live in denial of, that God would actually judge, right? Remember this. If you were to ask most people, the ones that believe in God, what is God's greatest characteristic? You're gonna get one word every time. You know, love, right? But that is not what the scripture teaches. Scripture teaches that above all, God is holy, pure, just, right? Okay, so, so then Jeff, where does, where does his love, mercy, and all that fit in? fits in in a minute, you'll see it. But above all, God is just. Think about this. If he could just overlook our wrongs, then why did Jesus die? Right? Why would, why would Christ have ever died? Why, why would that whole thing even be relevant? See, we have to understand 
we have to understand who he is, who God is. And the ultimate is holiness, all right? Purity, justice, it's an amazing thing. So then let's, let's talk about it, all right? What is justice? Justice, getting, justice is getting what you deserve, all right? or someone getting what they deserve. Uh, mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Do you see how the three are related? So when you put them all together, it's real hard for justice and mercy to live in the same room. Okay, I mean, this is not complicated. Hang with me because you're gonna see it all come together in the end, right? So, so if you hand mercy to someone, then you're letting someone get away with something for which they're guilty. Is that just? No, there is no justice and mercy. Okay, you can try to, you can try to philosophize and you, try, you can try to make this do this. And, and No, when you ask for mercy, what you're saying is, is I want to escape justice. Everybody understand? But that is exactly, so God's got a dilemma, does he not? Right? Because the scripture says that we're all sinners, which I doubt there, I've only run into a handful of people who don't think they're a sinner. All right? Most of us get it, all right? At least the ones who are honest with ourselves. We see it. We see it inside of us. Even if it never comes out, we see it inside. So, so then God's got a dilemma here, and this becomes the whole issue. How does one remain just and be merciful? That is the key. That is the answer. How do you do that? Because God cannot cease from being just, right? So then how can he be just and merciful? That becomes, that becomes the picture of who Christ is and all of the pictures throughout the Old Testament, right? This whole picture of this answer, right? This provision, if you will. All right, so God obviously said there's judgment, uh, there's a flood coming. It's going, to, it's, going, it's, going to, it's going to destroy life on earth, right? But, all right, but, number three, all right, but you have provision. Now here's the key. This is interesting. God, from his love and his mercy, provides a way. Okay, love, mercy, grace, however you want to put them. And in this particular case, it's, it's a boat in this particular picture. Okay, Genesis 6 verse 8, it says that, but Noah found favor in God's eyes. What is the word favor? Favor means grace. All right, it's, 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 again, it is, it's the Old Testament word for grace. And here is the provision in this picture. Again, follow the parallel. Sinfulness of the world, got it. God's, God's the one who judges. He can't overlook it. Got it. Third, there's got to be a provision because how can God be merciful and just at the same time, which is obviously wrapped up in who Christ is and what he came to do, right? He came to pay for it so that God could be merciful. So that makes sense. But in this particular picture with the ark, you have a boat and God says to go build a boat. And this is what he says to, to, to Noah. He says this, he says, make yourself an ark, an ark just being a boat. is basically of gopher wood. We don't really know what that is. It could be cypress, uh, cedar, you know, but it's wood. Again, with the picture, wood makes sense. Okay, make rooms in the ark, and it says there, cover it inside and outside with pitch. Interesting, okay? You may not know this, but you see the word pitch. The word pitch is the word for tar. 
But also, some of you may not know this, but this is also the word for atonement. Same word. So therefore the word atonement means pitch or tar. Where did it come from that? Well, think about it. Okay, this is pretty cool. What was the judgment? Water. What is the boat? God's plan. Deliverance through the judgment waters. What is it that, what is it that, that, that makes you safe? A boat, but what is it that covers the boat and keeps water out, that is, keeps judgment out? It's this thing called pitch, tar, because it seals it. So therefore, the word atonement, day of atonement that our Jewish friends celebrate, what does it mean? It means to make something right that is not right, right? So how do you make something right that's not right? It's an incredible thing. Again, when you put it all together, when you see the symbolisms, for those of you that have ears to hear and have eyes to see, it is an incredible thing when you put it all together, these words and how they were used. Therefore, the word pitch means to cover or to seal, right? I think of the guy, you know, in the commercials who has a boat with a screen door at the bottom. You know the guy and he covers it with the, it keeps all the water out, all right. That's, I think of the boat, right? If water is the judgment, then the boat is what delivers them through the judgment. For those of you who have ears to hear. So you begin to see the parallel, okay? Sinfulness of the world, right? God's judgment, God's plan or provision. Interesting. And that this provision included atonement, that is to make something right that wasn't right. So again, you begin to see it, the pictures of Christ in the Old Testament. But let's continue in this. It goes on to say, here's how you to make it. And there, there are things about the length and the height and the width. Everything is symbolic. Everything has a meaning here. But the, but the point of today is to, is to get the big picture and not to see everything, okay? It says, make a roof for the ark, all right? Finish it uh, at above and below, right? Set the door, right? And have three floors three floors, for behold, I'm gonna bring floods of water, right? Upon the earth to destroy, that is judgment. But it's the ark that will deliver you from judgment. So therefore, those of you who trust my plan will be delivered through the judgment, right? So it becomes this picture, right? Obviously, not, not only Noah, but his wife and his three boys and their wives, and that becomes the picture, all right? Makes sense. Number four is the faith of Noah. Now guys, there's always something that's interesting here because I've had people ask me this. Jeff, I don't really totally know, you know, I don't really know is it, okay, I understand kind of, I understand God's plan, right? But God's plan always, you know, it always requires faith. So how, what is that and how do you get it, you know? And all this thought about, in fact, this is such a great picture of Christ. It, it'll help you explain the relationship between grace and faith, right? And grace being a gift you don't deserve, which was God's plan, God's provision, that's what makes it good news, right? And that the only way you get it into your life is by putting your faith and trust in it. It's not about you trying to be a better person because you couldn't be a better person. You know, when you stand before a judge and you're guilty, you don't promise to do better. No, you have to atone for what's been done, right? So you need a gift. 
right? And so that becomes then the picture of the, the faith of Noah. In chapter six, verse 22, it's interesting. It says, Noah did this, right? He did all that God commanded him. Now, let's hang with me here. Number one underneath Noah's faith is what I'm gonna call God's word. If you don't have God's word in a way that you can understand, there's no way you can, you can trust it. There's no way you can put your faith in it. Listen to me, guys. It is why it is my absolute passion to make sure that I share God's word in a way that everybody can understand. I just, I think I grew up most of my life never understanding. Now, if you don't care and don't want to understand, I'm not talking to you. But some people want to know and they just can't get it. I wanna know, but I don't get it. That is a passion of mine, is that you understand God's plan, if you will, message his word to you. Because even Jesus is called what? God's word. John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So therefore Jesus, if you don't mind me using a real big word, Jesus is God's word incarnate, that is in the flesh. The word became flesh, and did what? It dwelt among us. So therefore, those of us who put our faith and trust in his word, which is Christ, who's the embodiment of that, because he is the, in the reality of all the other pictures of it. So you have God's word in an understandable way, right? Something you can understand. Romans 10, 17 is kind of my life verse. It's faith comes by hearing, hearing by God's word. If you can't understand it, you can't trust it. If you don't ever hear it, you definitely can't trust it. So faith has no chance when you don't understand. That's why it's my passion. I just want people to understand desperately because I think what all of those years being in church but never got it. It could have been my fault. <laughs> but again, so you have God's word. And then number two, Noah believed it. He put his faith and trust in it. Okay, but I want you to understand it's more it's more than, than just saying, I believe it to be true. You know, I, sometimes you hear, you know, people say things like that and, and they'll say, well, you know, well, I, be, I believe it, okay? And when it comes down to it, when, when you, like today, you understand it, your response will show whether you've trusted it or not because you do what you believe. Everybody has a belief system. When somebody says, I don't believe in, in nothing, <laughs> I know it's a double negative, but I hear that often. I don't believe in nothing. You really do. Everybody lives by a set of beliefs, what you believe to be the truth. Doesn't matter if they're lying or not, you believe them to be the truth, therefore it impacts your decisions, it impacts your choices. So therefore, when you come into contact with God's word, your, your reaction will tell you if you believe it or not, what you do, okay? So we have God's word, we have two, Noah believed it, and number three, Noah obeyed it. It said, what did he do? Well, he started building the boat. Now here's a question, all right? Here's something I wanna to, to talk to you about. Because there's some real false kind of stuff out there in this particular area. I mean, think about this, right? What if Noah had have said, 
oh, oh God, thank you for your word. I believe it. I believe every bit of it is true, but I am not going to build that boat. Now, here's the question I want you to answer for yourself. Do you really believe what God's word says if you refuse to build the boat? That's something you wanna ask yourself. Because we have whole hosts of people who have heard God's word, they maybe have even been baptized, okay? But they have no desire to follow him. I'm not sure they're believers. Just because you know something to be true doesn't mean you've trusted it. That's interesting to think about, isn't it? Right? Because no one could say, oh, I, ain't, I ain't building that boat. You know, let somebody else do it. But God, I believe you. I think you do what you believe, right? The rest is just kind of talk, spiritual talk. You know, it's an amazing thing. So all of these things begin to have, they begin to, 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 to make for an understanding because when you put these pictures together, I don't know. To me, it's, a, it's everybody has a system of beliefs. Let me give you a couple to think about, right? Like, like our culture, one of, the great, one of the great philosophies, if you will, or beliefs that a lot of people believe is this one. Well, you only go around once. So grab all you can get, do all you can do, because that's all you got. Now, that is a belief system that a lot of people ascribe to, but it is the opposite of what, who God's, of what God says is the truth. Because all, all, we all know, right? Yeah, you only go around once, you know, yeah, do all this stuff, you know, and, and get as much as you can and, and just be happy. Okay, question for you right? How's that work out? It doesn't work out. And we know it doesn't work out. And yet we keep going down the same roads because it's what everybody else tells us what we need to have a quote fulfilling life or whatever all that means, right? I don't know. I find it incredible. Everybody has a system of beliefs that you base for the decisions you make and the things that you do, right? Interesting. So, when I think about Noah, though, let me, let, me, let me tell you a couple of things about Noah. My thought is, is that Noah, when he approaches, be careful with things and how you feel. You know, sometimes well, I just don't, I just don't feel, okay? I, I get it, I get it. And guys, this past week for me, I mean, emotions have been all over the place and things feel this way and feel that way. But I've learned through the years just to ride it out and it'll all center itself again if you let the emotions get out of it. But my bet is that Noah is not really thrilled. This is Jeff thinking here. He's not really thrilled about building this boat. I mean, he's an older guy. You know, it's an incredible thing, the, the pre-flood civilization, you know, Longevity, that is length of lives, was extremely long during this time. But as soon as the flood came, if you take a look at the ages, ages dropped off the table. And they, they fell down to about what they are now. So there was something pre-flood ecologically that people lived longer, a lot longer. 
So Noah's this older guy, but my bet is he's not thinking, all right, I get to build this boat on dry land. And it had never even rained before. There's a verse. Back in Genesis, it said that pre-flood, God just, a mist came up like dew and watered everything and everything was much more utopic for life than it is now with all of the struggles that, that we have. So it's an incredible thing to think about. And can you imagine? Can you imagine? Because there was a long period of time, for those of you who have ears to hear, listen up. There was a long period of time when God told Noah, here's judgment is coming. About a hundred years or a little bit more. And therefore, everybody got a chance to hear of God's plan if they wanted to be a part of it. Therefore, what was Noah? Noah was a speaker, a herald, a pastor, a preacher, if you will. Number five, the preaching of Noah. I'm so glad this verse in here. Take a look at this. If he did not spare, take a look at 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, what was he? A herald of righteousness. What's a herald? Herald is, is the same word for preacher. We've lost the meaning of preacher because the real meaning of preacher is a herald. A herald is someone who goes around sharing messages uh, that represent someone else. Usually the king of a particular country had a herald. He'd give him the things he wanted to say and he'd ride throughout the countryside and he would, you know, still, you know, you know, and you, the king says, you know, he was a herald. He didn't speak for himself. He just shared the message to everyone else. Well, in reality, that's what I'm supposed to be and that's what Noah was. He was a herald. Let me give you a for instance, okay? He's out here building this boat and somebody comes by and says, Noah, what are you doing? Noah said, I'm glad you asked. God's word has said that you know that the whole world is, is sinful and that judgment is coming. But God in his grace has provided a way and it's this boat. So get prepared. And they all laughed at him as they laugh today. Right? But he kept telling them, he kept telling them, he kept telling them. You know, God provides the way, but you have to trust it. It is not automatic. People say, well, my God would never judge or punish you. Oh, I don't know where they come up with that, but that's not in the Bible, anywhere. Not even close. Interesting. So he just shared the story, the good news, if you will. The bad news that had good news to it. Does it sound familiar? Wish number six is the salvation of Noah. It says on that very same wet day that all of his kids went into the ark. And take a look at verse 16 and at the very end, after they all got in, what happened? Lord shut him in. Now I want you to notice this. The Lord shut him in. Therefore Noah and his family were as safe as the boat was safe. Think about it. And the boat was absolutely safe because it was God's word and God's promise, right? So shut him in. See, in this picture, think about it. There's a lot of people that teach that, that you can become a believer and that you can lose your salvation. I don't see it in the scriptures. Why? Because Notice here that God didn't tell Noah 
to build pegs on the outside of the boat and say, Noah, hang on. I hope you hang on. I hope you make it till the end. No, 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 no. God put him in the boat where he was absolutely safe and shut him in. And I always like to say, I bet Noah fell down in the boat many times, but he never fell out of the boat. Does that make sense to you? You're as safe as he's safe if that's where your faith and trust is. Interesting, amazing really. That's what we're gonna do over these next few weeks. That's what we're gonna be talking about because there's a bunch of these pictures like Noah. They're all pictures of who Christ is and what he came to do. You see, the, the scriptures are so much about an answer to our greatest need than they are about trying to live in a certain way. Yes, the Bible teaches about you know, living, living a certain way, but in reality, we couldn't do that, right? Here's some things to learn, and this is where I'll close, but I wanna take a few minutes to kinda relate some things God showed me this past week. Number one is the days of Noah will be similar to the days when Jesus returns. You know, Jesus himself in Matthew 24, I want you to hear this. These are Jesus's words. Jesus said, for as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the days, the days will be like the coming of the Son of Man. So Jesus himself says, there's a picture here, there's a parallel that you need to see. There are several, we're gonna cover most all of those over the next weeks. The ones that Jesus specifically says, they're, they're parallels. Well, here's one, he says, he says, for in those days, okay, before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Well, what's wrong with eating and drinking and getting married? Nothing but they'd heard the message and they'd totally ignored it and went about with their everyday lives as if nothing was going to happen, right? Oh, they've been saying that for years, that crazy old Noah down there, you know? Same concept, interesting, huh? But I have made it a point that I'm gonna spend the rest of my life telling everybody where any, whether anyone listens or not. That's what he told Noah to do, right? Just keep telling them the story. Just keep telling them the story. It says until Noah entered the ark and that they were underway until the flood came, right? Swept them all away, right? So number one, the days, the evil days, the teetering days are gonna be the same Noah as it is today or when he comes. Number two, there is a day of judgment coming. All of us know it. We've talked about it to where we'll give an account. Number three, God's always provided us a way. And all these pictures in the Old Testament, but in reality, in reality, it happened in who Christ is and what he came to do. Because of who Christ is, right, he paid the debt that we owed so that God might be merciful and gracious. How in the world can justice and mercy live in the same room only one way if one person pays the debt? to make that which is not just, just. Does that make sense to you? It's the answer you're looking for. Guys, that's what struck me. I may never be the same again after this past week. I've known some of these things for a long time, but they really hit home this past week. You know, I've got the news. When we talk about God is God's answer, in all of the different ways and pictures God has given in the Old Testament, 
which all pointed to who Christ is and what he was going to do, it becomes an answer. Not just a list of rules to follow to make your life better, but it becomes an answer to your greatest need. When I was in Memphis, I'd flown home and I was sitting in this hospital room and, and it was pretty obvious my dad was on a ventilator. And we all came in and it's kind of a shock there. And, uh, and then mom left and it was just me and my son, Christopher. Some, a lot of you know him. We're just sitting there in the quietness of this room and, and I've known this for a long time, but he's not gonna make it. The ventilator is the only thing that's keeping him alive. And I looked over at Christopher and I said, I said, bud, that's um, what I call him. I call most everybody bud, unless you're a girl. So if I call you bud, it means a good thing, right? And so I said, bud, I said, you know what? And I pointed up at dad in that bed and I said, I said, if you don't have an answer for this, what do you have to live for? I mean, literally, guys, if you don't have an answer, because, man, I don't want to be morbid, but all of you are heading there, right? Some of you are so young, you don't want to think about it. In fact, a lot of times, nobody wants to think about it. We just want to live in denial that it's never going to happen. In fact, a lot of people are uncomfortable with me even talking about it, unless you're at a funeral where it's appropriate, but it's just not appropriate, you know? Why? I had a moment of reality that I've always known because I've done hundreds of funerals, obviously doing what I do, but I had a moment of reality, clarity, call it whatever you, and I thought to myself, my goodness, my goodness, if you don't have an answer, and I'm looking at my own father, who's basically gone, and if you don't have an answer for that, how do you even live? Well, you know, Jeff, you, you get a bunch of stuff and a lot of money and you go out and you can do all you want to and have to. Yeah, so? It's like redecorating the Titanic. Congratulations. Well, you look good when you went down. Yeah, but you still went down, right? What good is redecorating the Titanic? Oh, well, man, we shined it up and we bought a lot of new furniture. None of it makes sense unless you have an answer for that day. And that is what this whole thing of who Christ is and what he came to do. All these pictures we're gonna talk about over the next weeks are all pictures, why? Because that's God's answer. And the question is, do you understand it? And are you gonna put your faith and trust in it? That's why you hear me say all the time, this is not a Baptist, Catholic, Methodist thing. Uh, that's your opinion, that's your, no. What does God's word say? No church owns this message. It's his message to you, right? Because I'm here to tell you this. I have watched now, I've lived long enough to be around a lot of people and I've watched people try so many things to bring meaning and purpose and they achieve great things. Some don't achieve anything, but they try. Some get a lot of stuff. Some get a lot of success. Some actually get to marry the person they really wanted to marry and they find out, okay, that person wasn't it. Like I thought they were gonna be it, right? Some people get everything they want. Some people get nothing they want, but when it comes down to it, 
it all has a hollow feeling and you constantly feel like you're running out of time. I'm not, I, 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 haven't, I haven't gotten done what I've wanted to get done. And there's this constant drive for purpose. But listen to me. But when you have the answer, okay? When you have the answer, God gives. That's not the finish line, all right? And there's a peace. See, when the Bible talks about a peace that passes all understanding, that's it. And I look at my dad, and I've known my dad, obviously, most all of my life, and he not only was a believer, but he was a follower. And I got tons of stories. So any kind of tears I had were all for myself, right? Why? Because he had the answer. So that's when Paul makes that statement, right? That we don't have to grieve like others grieve who don't have any hope, right? When you got the answer, then it sets you free to live in the present. You stop trying to get stuff to fill a hole inside that never will fill it. Interesting, huh? But you know, I'm just about done. But through this past week, I've known all this, but it hit me like a brick because we don't ever talk about the D word, death, right? Except at funerals where that's okay. And yet it is the one thing that most people live in denial about, and yet it is inevitable. And so the question is, are you prepared? Like Noah, okay, it's coming, right? That becomes God tells you, it's coming, here's the plan. Are you gonna trust it or are you not gonna trust it? And you're gonna see that. Okay. So a lot of people have asked me, Jeff, why do we celebrate so much at Easter? That's when I know that they don't know of God's plan. Because if you've ever truly understood it and accepted it, Easter becomes your favorite day of the year because it's the answer to death, right? When you truly understand it. So as I close, I gotta stop. Most of the time, people just don't want to talk about it, and yet it, it's here. So over the next weeks, I just want you to say, oh, let me finish this up. Number three, God's always provided us grace. That was what we talked about, the provision. Number four, every time grace is offered, faith is the only response. For by grace have you been saved, through faith, that not of yourselves. Therefore, it's not anything you do. You can't be good enough. You can't work hard enough. It's not anything you do. It's a gift he gave you. It can only be received by faith. By grace, through faith. It's pretty amazing to think about. For we are his workmanship, therefore after we put our faith and trust in him, there's a workmanship that he's working in us. For Noah, it was building a boat, okay? For us, it's him working in our lives. Why? Because we're his workmanship. It's an incredible thing when you think of it. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Number five, grace always changes your life. If you've ever kind of had a time in your life if you've ever had a time in your life, you put your faith and trust in him. And his, his grace is part of your life. It always changes the situation. How can it not when you have the answer? 
the assurance of the answer. It's an amazing thing, thank God. All right. God bless you. As we, as we close, let's all go ahead and stand. Come on up, Anthony. Let's all go ahead and stand. Hey, guys, most of all, just wanted to, I just wanted you to hear it today. If there's never been a time in your life, I'm not talking about going to church. Never been a time in your life to you put your faith and trust in that plan, God's plan. There's always people up here afterwards, pastors, and I think Anthony and some Tom and some of the guys will be up here, pastors, if, if you want to talk. And don't let that freak you out. The only reason I do that is because I never want anybody anybody leaving this service saying, well, I, I wanted to talk to somebody, but I didn't know to talk. Right here, right, right here. If you are a believer, remember, don't let the cares of this world allow you to live in fear and, oh, I don't think I've gotten this done. What about the, right? I mean, live in the peace he's already given to you, right? Because you got the answer, right? You got the answer to death, I always like to say, you don't have any problems. Right? Just minor annoyances. Right. So as we close in, if you don't want to talk to anybody, there's a booklet. Okay, it looks like this. I did this specifically. It's got a CD in it. And it's just a CD of a message I did that just tells you more of what I told you today. What is God's plan? What is God's answer? Right? You don't have to talk to anybody. You can find these out there and you can grab one on your way out. No cost. And just want you to have it. All right? God bless you guys. And again, thank you, my church family. Thank you, my church family, for your love and prayers uh, during, this, uh, during this time. All right, God bless.